What is up, aka Patters? I am Peter A. DeLuca, aka Pad, your boy, your host. I am your guiding light to everything pop culture, and welcome to our huge Terminator block. And today, right here, right now, amongst the robots from the future, we are talking Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, the movie most people hate. Let's hit that intro. Now, I say most people hate this movie, and I mean everyone but me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but hey, hey, thank you for joining me, and thanks for hanging out and talking Terminator, talking science fiction, talking time travel, talking cool guns, talking explosions, talking... Uh, I would say some uh, consistently really cool designed things. If you're into vehicle design and robot design, if you're almost coming from the school of uh, Star Wars and appreciation for that, because you know we know Star Wars has, uh, you know, I would say the original trilogy, the greatest design run of any movie franchise ever. But hey, 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 if you're new here, uh, help me out. Help me help you. We need subscribers. We need uh, retweets. We need comments. We need all. We need you out there listening. We need your interaction. You have to show this podcast to a friend. You have to post this somewhere because we're growing. The AKA Pad Army is growing. This idea that we do long form film discussion is catching fire. It's it's moving forward because deep down, deep down. And I'm vocal about it. Uh, I I pretty much believe film criticism is no longer with us. I think it died. It went the way of the dodo. And we have uh, clickbait articles, clickbait headlines, and the internet and YouTube to thank for it. And I, I really feel like it warped the uh, um, the essence of film criticism and film discuss, uh, discussion out of critics and reviewers. Because uh, because even recently I've been, um, you know, I watched uh, Lighthouse and went to YouTube for a couple reviews after I saw that movie, and it, even right now with the Mandalorian, and you know, there's people doing non-spoiler reviews for Lighthouse, <laughs> and that's a movie starring. It just came out. It, it's with Robert Patterson, William Defoe. And it's like, okay, um, not really a movie that needs um, description. You know, like it's, it's almost like reviewers just don't want to do spoilers. Uh, because when you bring in spoilers, you, you basically have to um, rip the movie apart and be able to talk about all of its innards. Uh, and it's almost like, oh, I'm doing a non-spoiler review because I'm doing you a favor. It's almost like fan. It's almost like you're servicing the audience rather than servicing your opinion of the movie. And it's just really weird. Uh, it's a very odd virtue signaling action. I don't care. We talk spoilers here. If you don't like spoilers, get to another audio. Hit next. <laughs> Uh, and it, and that's largely because of, of what I witnessed there. And it's it's funny because I don't know how you would discuss uh, like The Godfather. I don't know how you would discuss Star Wars New Hope or um, you know The Sixth Sense. Like uh, these movies whose endings and hooks and you know we all know Luke is 
is Vader's son, Empire Strikes Back. And it's almost like we it, there's a lot of people going into those movies now, fresh. And they know those hooks. They know those surprises. So what exactly are we maintaining when we talk about spoilers uh, or we, we leave out spoilers or we leave out discussing the movie when it's something new? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's the quality of the movie overall. I think if the quality of the engagement that the filmmaker has weaved is high enough, I believe you get sucked in and you become, uh, you know, like, you, you, you become one with the movie. I mean, like, this just happened with a uh, female friend of mine. We For the 31 Days of Dread, we watched uh, Rosemary's Baby. Okay. We know we know the hook of that movie, right? It's it's hard not to know, and I guess some of you might not know. That's fine, uh, but uh, the movie itself is so engaging. It doesn't matter. You know what's coming because the journey there is great. But anyway, and enough about that. We're talking Terminator. We're talking Jonathan Mastow. Now, Jonathan Mastow, he's our director. I've alluded to the Terminator rights and what really happened with Cameron Schwarzenegger and the Terminator franchise between Terminator 2, 2D, Battle Across Time, that came out in 2001-er, that, that, that's a 21-er, and this movie, which came out 2003, because James Cameron was very animated on... You know, within some publicity of Terminator T2 3D Battle Across Time. That was your theme park attraction. Part movie, part live action. Really cool thing. It really cool. I, I must have seen it five or six times. Um, he said this is bridging be- everything between Terminator 2 and 3. And I view Terminator as an episodic adventure. Which is funny. Because I view Terminator 1 and 2 as a loop. A time travel loop that gets closed. Very similar. Very similar to Back to the Future 1. Closes that loop. And Back to the Future 2 and then 3 are... You know, they're adventurers on that original loop. They're not... They don't flow into... You know, that first movie. I view these Terminator movies very much the same way. I view T2 Rise of the Machines as a stack on top of T2 and Terminator. Our next movie, Terminator Salvation, I view it the same way. Terminator The Sarah Connor Chronicles, I view the same exact way. Terminator Genesis, I view the same exact way. And Terminator Genesis is the only one that embraces the loop. And the breaking of the loop. And actually putting something like directly in the middle of the loop. Uh, it really is. A, it's just like a crushing continuity movie. With a lot of balls. And I, it, a lot like Last Jedi. It has my respect. It really does. Because it swung for the fences. It, tried, it just tried. You know like it tried something new. And I love it for it. So 2003 we have John Mastel. He gets involved. Uh with maybe at the time the biggest film ever the most money spent and everyone knew this movie was coming out 
Everyone knew Schwarzenegger was coming back. Everyone knew James Cameron was not involved. Everyone knew, if you read the trades, that there was a rights switch. There was bankruptcy. There was this. There was that. uh, James Cameron doing Titanic or Schwarzenegger doing his governor run or like there was all, all all of these things okay that were happening around t3 john mastell comes in and i he was on my radar when he got this movie because i really loved his 1997 movie breakdown with kurt russell i just spent the night watching escape from new york too by the way and then i very much remember in 2000 uh, U571. It's a uh, WW2 submarine movie starring Bon Jovi. That's all I remember about that movie. I've, I've seen that movie about one time. And then in 2003, he, he is the guy who directs Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. Which is a deconstruction of everything we thought we knew. Everything we think we know in Terminator and Terminator 2. And even Terminator... 2D battle across time is false. We learn that John Connor uh, is so paranoid. You know, we, we learned this in, in the beginning of the movie, but, but John Connor is so paranoid. He's off the grid. He's off the grid to the point that in the future, Skynet loses track of him. So Skynet sends another Terminator, a advanced one, a T T X T X one million whatever. It's a girl. It's cool. She's hot. She's beyond beautiful. The the woman in this movie, and she's part exoskeleton and she's part Terminator. Uh, she's part exoskeleton. She's part liquid. Uh, she can form weapons with her arms, and she can also control vehicles. Wi-Fi, internet, that sort of thing, which is again all really cool concepts. I think she does too much. I really do. Um, this this one upsmanship with the Terminators uh, isn't, um, you know, like it's it's not. It, it shouldn't be a thing. That you know, like there's a reason why the T one thousand is a is a prototype. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you know, we we should kind of always go back to the T-800s at the infiltration units when it comes to Terminator. This is also um, a history lesson within the franchise because we see, like, version one, Mark, Mark one of the Hunter Killers. Those flying, those awesomely designed flying weapons of destruction. We see... Mark 1, T1, T1, not T600 that we see in our next movie, Terminator Salvation, not the T800, the T1, the first version of the Terminator is portrayed in this movie. We see the evolution of Skynet. This is a complete deconstruction of everything we think we see. So we have a John Connor that is on the run. He's off the grid. The machine sent back another terminator but this time to kill his his army command and they all happen to live around the same area code <laughs> so the the tx 
we'll we'll call it right. It's 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 the TX. It's got to be the the the, the TX. Yes, the, the TX goes around killing, uh, killing everyone, and you know she starts making her way to John Connor, and who's played by Nick Stahl, who is awesome in this role. He plays this role perfectly. Uh, Nick Stahl, at this point, I had pinpointed to higher things because he, he was also in the movie around this time called In the Bedroom. And, you know, Oscar contender movie. In the Bedroom still has one of the most impactful movie deaths uh, ever. And he kind of goes from this into uh, HBO's Carnival, it was a Carnival show. And I, th- I thought, I don't know, I didn't like that at all. I thought he should have stuck with movies because maybe this movie didn't pop because it was so expensive. It may, you know, like he may have had less offers. I get it. I really do. I don't agree with it I, because I feel like he has uh, so much to give when he performs. I haven't seen him in something in a very long time. Uh, I think Nick Stahl is the best of all the John Connors. I really do. You know, like he's so much better than Eddie Furlong, and that was all we had at the time, except for a couple future looks at John Connor. So we learned that uh, Skynet and Judgment Day happened. You cannot stop it. And this is now beginning. Uh, yeah, I th- this almost sounds like what Cameron was alluding to in some of his press for T2 3D Battle Across Time, see previous episode. Okay, see, we, we have to have a way to make this an episodic adventure. If, if Judgment Day will happen no matter what, and we have a few characters, a few people on Earth aware of it, you know, we, we, ha- we have ourselves something cool. We, we really do. The point of this movie is that you cannot escape fate. You cannot escape destiny. You must embrace it. But this movie also does two separate timelines. We have the timeline that everyone sent from the later Judgment Day, the, the Judgment Day that takes in the future, you know, like later within the future, because we're dealing with a different Judgment Day now than they did in T2 and Terminator. And then we deal with the new thread of everyone being aware of what happens. So when characters are supposed to fall in love, uh, you, you can almost predict that they they cannot and they will not if they if they know they're supposed to. Which is one of the reasons why we don't, we shouldn't know of, you know, our future. And, you know, we kind of get into Back to the Future there. So, yeah, the resistance in the future, the humans send back a reprogrammed T-800, Arnold Schwarzenegger, again, as the good guy, to protect John Connor. But it's Claire Danes that sends him back. He can only take orders from her. He cannot take orders from John Connor. Yeah, it's, it's getting pretty deep here, the plot. And then the entire backstory is the rise of Skynet, which is Claire Dane's father. He's this military guy running the internet, and, and throughout the movie we're being teased that the virus is slowly making its way through all the military, uh, you know, like all the military computer, computer systems. And eventually in the movie, the military loses control of their armies. 
you know, of the Army, Navy, Air Force, so on and so forth. So they initiate what they call Skynet to squash out the virus and to retake control, and this now becomes the real Skynet. And we learn that Skynet doesn't have a core, it doesn't have a, like a hardware off and on switch. Skynet exists within the internet, which is fine because it's, it's topical. You know, like the threat of Skynet moved with the times. Now we see this in the next three uh, you know, three of the next four Terminator movies. We don't see it much in Salvation, but we see it in Terminator Genesis and we see it in Terminator Dark Fate. Sorry, next uh, two of the next three. Uh, I, I cannot speak for Sarah Connor Chronicles. I, I saw, I'm going to binge watch some of that. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to squeeze that in as an additional episode. So, this idea that the machines will rise no matter what it's very cool um you know the the end line the end message of these terminator movies are always like you know fate is what you make it and this movie is the war will continue meaning you know they gave the machines a w but now we begin the future wars this is where the franchise always should have gone. It's amazing that, um, you know, look, look, uh, company puts this out, they go bankrupt. Okay, this movie made domestically $150 million. 65% of its box office, 300000 Totaling $430 million. $300 million of that. 65% of the box office was international. Uh, this could have been one of the movies that cre helped create the international and domestic release model from these, these, these big studios. Terminator should always pop more overseas. People love it, you know, on an international level. But we kind of see with the 150, uh, you know, we do see somewhat of a, you know, uh, people might be tired of the franchise even by this point, even by 2003. Watch stinks. <laughs> because, you know, we want strong Terminator movies uh, as a box office, as studios putting out movies. You know, this is one of, this is our New York Yankees. Like, you know, the Yankees prop up the league so other teams can exist in smaller markets. We want studios to be able to own Terminator and to put out Terminator and do similar things with Terminator. Um, you know, just to make that money, but, you know, to do something good along the way also because, you know, <laughs> we demand it as a uh, cinema-going audience. Uh, so th this movie's labeled as bleak. It's labeled as depressing. Uh, this movie is... A wonderful part one. You know, like thinking of what could come of part two is just mind-boggling. And I feel like we get this with every other Terminator movie from here on out. We keep getting this part one reboot, part one reboot. Salvation, Genesis, Dark Fate, these are all part ones. Because desperately, whoever embarks on a Terminator movie instantly wants a trilogy. And I, you know, I think they're right to demand that and to fish around for that because the Terminator franchise and the visuals and the iconography involved with Terminator is so 
epic. It's so recognizable. It's so embedded in the culture. Why wouldn't you? You're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your investment a disservice if that's not what you're going to go for. And you know, I don't believe in just make one. I really don't. I think this movie is just one and it's awesome. What's the biggest issue with this movie? Well, it's our boy Jonathan Mastow. Because I believe this movie is too glossy. It just doesn't look like what you think a Terminator movie should look like. And from here on out, I think Terminator Genesis nails the look. I think every Terminator movie somewhat struggles with this, though. I feel Genesis struggled. No, not Genesis. Uh, Salvation struggled with it, even though Salvation had a very purposeful look. I do like it, though. But still, no. You know, Terminator should have a, a piece of art to it. You know, there should be, like, contrast to the framing. You know, to the lighting, to what's what's happening uh, with the colors. Genesis, you know, is pretty close. I haven't seen Dark Fate. I can't speak for Dark Fate. But I don't feel like this movie does it. Uh, too much action in the daytime. Uh, a lot of the action set pieces are not... Uh, they're good. They're long. Um, you can follow what's happening. But it's they, they just aren't quite there. But, but that's really my only criticism. You know, I think this movie has an incredible strong plot. Uh, Claire Danes, all the performances... Home runs. The backstory, you know, the the mythos, the chrono chronologically stuff done, <laughs> the 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 chronology within this movie is a home run. Uh, you believe the stakes. The ending sticks with you. The uh, one of the awesomest endings of all the Terminator movies is right here. Uh, you know, like the the final point of this movie is fantastic. I think we have our best John Connor because this John Connor is resisting who he is and he you he's not John Connor. He's not he's not even the John Connor from Terminator 2. The John Connor in Terminator 2 was a little shit. But the kid had balls, you know, like the again, you kind of respect that. Nick Stahl as John Connor is doubtful. He's weepy. It's a different character. It's a different take. But the look of this movie somewhat fails the audience and it fails the franchise. It really does. And I get it. You know, like there's other things that might have been happening with screen projection within cinemas, um, within the industry to force the look of this movie. I get that. But I wish this movie had more texture to it. I wish they had better lighting. I wish we had... Uh, a level of con- contrast when when it comes to the frames. You know, again, T2 Judgment Day, if it did anything for the franchise moving forward, should show you how these movies should look. And it, that should be duplicated to a degree. But you have to be your own thing. I think this movie, I think pretty sure Cameron said it, this movie is not on its own. It's too embedded on what came before. This movie should have diverted what came b- before, uh, not embed itself further into the mythology. And, you know, like, I, I, someone, I do agree with that, but I feel like what's there 
you know, like the the extending arm, the tentacles, the roots that go into T2 Judgment Day. I think they're good too. You know, like it's it's a tough call. You know, and those are a lot of the creative decisions that make, you know, film audiences, like film going, somewhat frustrating. But look, look, <laughs> I can keep going. Everyone, we're doing Terminator Salvation next. Another legendary Terminator failure. This is the Christian Bale Terminator movie after Dark Knight. The Dark Knight comes out and boom, he's coming as John Connor. It blew everyone away. And then this is also the infamous Christian Bale recording freaking out argument where he's yelling at the lighting guy while he's in scene. This uh, Terminator Salvation. Incredible cast. Another incredible story to how it got brought to the big screen. And it's the only movie amongst the franchise that does attempt other than T2 be its own thing because Cameron's right when he says that T2 did its own thing based on Terminator 1. It did its own thing and it subverted expectations but making Schwarzenegger the hero not the villain. Everyone we are doing Terminator Salvation next for episode 256 of aka Tad Audio Audacity podcast. I will see you. I will hear you there. Thank you.